Hey, this is John Andrasik from Five for Fighting, and you're listening to Stay Out Bubblegum with my pal John Chapman talking baseball and all things under the sun. What's up, John? What is up, John? <laughs> it is so nice to see you, even though no one else can, uh, and to <laughs> talk to you again. We had some fun in our, well, not our, in my Huffington Post days, we actually had a a little running thing called Fight for Fighting with Fight for Fighting, where I asked you nonsensical <laughs> questions. And I promise you, I won't let you down. The nonsensical questions will continue. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, so, I mean, just just right off the bat, um, you are obviously a hockey nut. So yeah. why not come on a baseball podcast, right? Hey, I'm a sports nut, man. You know, I grew up in L.A., so you talk. Lakers, Dodgers, Kings, Bruins, you know, I, I I remember where I was when Gibson hit that home run, man. So, you know, you can't grow up in LA and not be, you know, Dodger blue. So it's, uh, it's always fun to talk baseball and uh, we're starting to see a few teams separate and uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting year. Tell me uh, on the spectrum of things where baseball is for you. I know you, I know you are a huge sports guy, but uh I mean, is hockey, you know, miles and miles ahead of everything, or you just kind of gravitate toward everything? Well, you know, we were season ticket holders for the Lakers and the Kings for years. And I started as just a big basketball guy, um, certainly showtime in the 80s with the Lakers, but always a Dodger fan. I mean, every year, you know, like so many kids, I would go sit in the bleachers with my dad, get there early. For batting practice my dad actually caught a home run i i'll never forget it wow um, and um frankly one of the probably top three highlights of my career was playing dodger stadium for the the la kings and the anaheim ducks outdoor hockey game i literally they put the piano right at home plate and um my parents were there my dad was there and kind of walking through those halls you know with with Fernando's picture and Oral and all those guys it was really emotional for me because my childhood, um, my childhood was really at Dodger Stadium. We didn't start going to Laker games because until I was like a teenager. But, uh, you know, those memories as a six, seven year old being there. And of course, you know, Lasorda and Garvey and Lopes and Ron Say and, you know, Bill Russell and Mike Sosha and mm -hmm. uh, Dusty Baker. You know, I was there and, um, I was there through all of that and and it really really means a lot to me and and um you know I'm I wouldn't say I'm quite as the fan as I used to be um for kind of all the sports but um we still I just went to I went to opening night for the Dodger game this year and and um Mookie Betts is my favorite player thank you Boston so <laughs> I still have a lot of love for baseball I watch every night my mom and I kind of bond through baseball um, she's a massive Dodger fan. And, and when they won the series a couple of years ago, I was so happy for her that she could kind of see that, you know, she's in her late eighties with health problems. So we bond through the Dodgers every night. We're texting about the Dodgers. So there's something about baseball. That's still that old pastime that kind of separates it from all the other sports. So before I move on, whose home run did your dad catch? Oh God, that's a good question. Um, I think it was an opposing player. It wasn't a Dodger. Okay. It was, someone 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 uh from a different team but yeah we, we would sit there and we brought our gloves and uh you know he actually got one and and um 
and yeah, it's always special going to that. It's you know, Chavez Ravine is such a magical place. You know, it it still has that kind of history um and kind of joy on a summer night. There's no place I'd rather be. So as somebody who born and raised in LA, right? Yeah. What what did Tommy Lasorda mean? Uh please please represent all of Los Angeles right now. Um what exactly um, you know, a, as a baseball fan, you know, who kind of grew up with Tommy Lasorda as just this larger than life personality um, in New York. Um, yeah. For someone who grew up in, in L.A., what was Tommy Lasorda to you guys? He was everything. He he was, you know. I wouldn't say I'd say a clown, but not in a bad way. He was yeah. just a larger than life personality. He was, he exhibited a passion that very few had. Um, he was like the grandpa you wish you had. Yeah. Um, you know, um, his fire and, and his personality, even as he got older, I got to meet him a few times, but even at the last few years of his life, you know, you couldn't take your eyes off him and everything he said was quotable. <laughs> yep. And you just felt that this guy was going to, put his arms around you and embrace you whether you're a Dodger fan or not. Right. So he was just so lovable and larger than life and, and, and funny and infuriating. And, and, um, and I miss that, you know, I miss that in our managers, right? We used to have these characters and managers that were as big as the players themselves. Right. I think, you know, the game's kind of gotten a little more reserved and, but you had, you know, show Walter go down the list, right. These, these characters, um, we're so part of baseball and the rivalries with some of the umpires and, and, um, but yeah, Tommy Lasorda, there'll never be another one. Um, you know, and, and, um, you, you can't, you can't fit those shoes. And I don't know if a guy like that, frankly, could really, you know, exist in this time <laughs> with sure. some of his, his comments and some of his, you know, his rants, but, um, certainly he's probably on the Mount Rushmore of, 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 you know, Los Angeles sports icons and he's surely missed. You have, you know, it's, it's, by the way, it's, it is a good point because they are like so few and far between just not just managers. Like I feel like personalities of the game and maybe it's just because there's so much more lack of a better word, like input that we're getting. Like, it's just like, there's so much baseball coming at us, whether it's like YouTube or MLB network or ESPN or, Apple or whatever, but like, I feel like there's, there's not a ton of person that maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. And maybe I shouldn't have a baseball podcast for saying this, but like, there's not as many larger than life personalities in baseball. Uh, like, I just feel that way. No, I agree. I mean, Tommy Lasorda, I mean, there's people who never went to a Dodger game that can tell you who that guy is. Every fancy restaurant in California his pictures on the wall. <laughs> it's like, yeah. he's like an actor and you know, it's same with hockey. You know, hockey has very few personalities, right? A lot of good players, a lot of nice guys, Sidney Crosby, you know, but there's nobody that kind of steps out, you know, the Mike Trout conversation, right? Best yeah. player of our generation. Love him. Feel terrible for him in the position he's in, right. but he's that he, you know, he has very, you know, few commercials and he's, he's not Tiger Woods or, He's not Aaron Rodgers, you know, that we can just talk about them 
all day long, whatever they're doing on the field. So yeah, baseball, and I don't know if it's kind of the culture, you know, the culture of don't show off, don't, don't kind of, don't, don't kind of, um, kind of do something that makes the opposing team feel disrespected. I think there's some of that and, and I get it, you know, somebody's going to throw a hundred mile an hour fastball at your head. You probably want to think about what you're doing, but yeah, I agree with you. I think both baseball and hockey, um, have not done a great job kind of, you know, creating the personalities outside of just the, the fan. And also we're so segmented, right? I mean, when we were growing up with baseball, there was 13 channels. There wasn't the MLB channel, the NHL channel, the, you know, when I go home, I have, you know, the NHL channel, the NFL channel, the MLB channel, and, you know, there's 200 channels to get your content. So I think that's part of it too. But, you know, at the same time, you get behind the curtain in a way like you never could before. You right. know, you hear about things that you never would have heard back in the day and just with with a couple columns in the L.A. Times. I feel like the closest and maybe maybe it also was like the era that it was that it was in like the 80s is maybe a little bit more flamboyant. The 90s were a little bit, I don't know, more rough around the, the edges a little bit. But like I feel like the closest you get to a little bit more of, I don't know, maybe a little bit looser is like the home run derby where like, yeah. You know, they're not wearing hats or they're wearing gold chains or they're wearing like their hats backwards. Like, I feel like that's really the only opportunity with baseball now where like they kind of let their freak flag fly a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect analogy because look, look, the home run derbies has better ratings than the all-star game. (laughs) Right. Right. That's what I watch. I haven't watched an all-star game in 15 years. It's like the dunk contest, right? I'll put on the home run derby. And yeah, it kind of lets the, the the characters be the characters. And you no, know, we also don't really have the villains, right? We don't have the Jose Canseco's, you know, so guys that they're easy to to dislike, even though we wish you know, Barry Bonds is gone, you know, Roger Clements. It's right. like guys that you hate till they're on your team, right? That's right. that's what makes you know the NFL and the NBA so compelling is, you know, there's guys we just want to lose. Right. <laughs> we, right. I don't feel like anybody in baseball I want to lose besides the Astros, um, you yeah. know, but, but, you know, besides the cheaters, you know, who, who do we have to hate? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the opposite. You kind of want players to win. Like you want yeah. like Mike Trout to win. Like, yes. Sorry for him. Yeah. Um, or Well, with the exception, like a uh, Trevor Bauer, right? Like who, right. Of, of course like, that's easy. Yeah. That's probably but, yeah, he he he's someone who frankly deserves to be scorned. But you know, <laughs> you know, in sports, there's guys as you know the Danny Ainge effect, right? You just yeah. despise Danny Ainge, but you know, get him on your team. It's like we love the guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I always but, I always felt that way as as a Yankee hater. I always hated Paul O'Neill, but yeah. felt that if he was on my team, I would love Paul O'Neill. Of course. He yeah. was like a whiny little baby in the dugout and all that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but I kind of want that passion on my team. So 100%. Yeah. So so talk to me a little bit. Let's let's totally shift gears and then we'll get back to baseball. But talk to me. Uh, you're spending your summer with Bare Naked Ladies. And that just sounds really great to just say, like, <laughs> let's, take, let's take the band out of it. It always works. It always works. It's a cheap pop and I love it. But um, you're spending your summer with bare naked ladies. You just did this amazing, uh, amazing um, can, can one man um, save the world, right? That I want to talk to you about being in the Ukraine, um, which I mean, listen, man, 
as if your songs weren't tugging at the heartstrings enough, you're like, no, nah, I'm going to do a ballad set in the Ukraine uh, <laughs> about this inspirational leader. Um, talk to me about totally two separate things. A, touring with Berenica Ladies, which is a lot lighter. Um, and then go a little bit into uh, the song a little bit. Well, you know, as you know, as you've written my bios and things, I, I haven't sure. done a ton of touring with the band yeah. in the last 10 years. And after the pandemic, I think we've all kind of recalibrated our brains about, about what are we going to do with the rest of our lives? And so I went back in the bus last year with the guys and had a blast, did a headline tour. It was so fun um, for me and the audience and um, kind of rekindled that community with not just audiences, but your band member, your kind of locker room is the bus. And so this year, the Bare Naked Ladies reached out to us, great band, great live performers and said, you know, would you come do a few dates? And we're like, oh yeah, you know, so we're very excited. You know, it's it's a much shorter set. So it's basically, let's just go play the hits. You really don't have the pressure of a headliner because last year with the COVID bubble, if I go down, the whole thing goes under. So mm-hmm. it's actually be a pretty loose, fun time. We can go interact with the fans. So we're really thrilled about doing that. Um, you know, the Ukraine thing, as you said, was, was, again, kind of came out of nowhere. You know, I've written two songs. My last two songs are songs I wish I never had to write, John. You know, the Blood on My Hands Afghanistan song and the Ukraine song. But one kind of led to the other. And I was working with some NGOs to evacuate people from Afghanistan. They moved some of their operations to Ukraine. And after I'd written Can One Man Save the World, I wanted to do a a kind of a video with an orchestra set in Poland because Poland had been so amazing taking refugees. So reached out through a friend to some Polish folks. And and uh, my friend came back and said, well, there's some interest in Ukraine to go to Ukraine and play with Ukrainian orchestra, which blew my mind. And, you know, long story short, we ended up a few weeks later outside of Kiev in a blown up airport in front of the symbol of Ukrainian independence, the Maria, the largest cargo plane in the world, playing this song with Ukrainian orchestra, uh, making this video um, to kind of support, you know, their plight there. And it was, you know, we could talk for three hours here. It was every emotion under the the gun, you know, it was infuriating, it was inspiring, it was um, heartbreaking, it was emotional, it was um, scary, you know, um, but it was probably the most impactful experience besides the concert for New York of my life. And wish every American could see it. You know, every member of that orchestra had either lost a loved one, had someone on the front or somebody missing, you know, to see firsthand, you know, their fortitude and, and meet some of their leaders. And um, was again, um, it was a reminder how music can kind of transcend, you know, none of those folks even could understand the lyrics, but everybody <laughs> was crying and was moved. And it gave me a sense again of, of the blessings we have here that I think we take for granted. And, and hopefully this war will end one day and I'll go back and play it in happier times. When did you sit down and write the song? Actually wrote it right away, right? A couple of days after the invasion, you remember uh, at the time Zelensky came out and said, I may not be here tomorrow. You know, the assassins are hunting me and my family. And again, you know, I, there's a lot of criticism about Ukraine and even Zelensky. And, and, and I think some of that's valid. I was there. I saw the waste. I saw the corruption. But, you know, here's a guy who basically was offered a plane ticket to leave by us and said, no, I'm going to stay here with my wife and my little children, probably be killed in the next few days. 
So I think that stands for something. Right. And, you know, I hadn't seen that kind of fortitude kind of in my life. You know, you talk about Churchill, you talk about Mandela, you talk about Martin Luther King. So that song was just a burst. And I literally put it out piano vocal. I mean, you're a music guy. You never right. do that. Right. <laughs> you don't put out songs piano vocal. Because right. I didn't think the guy would the guy would survive the end of the week. But I did. And then it kind of ended up with this orchestra collaboration. And then it ended up kind of having a resonance around the world. And so... Um, it's very interesting that the, the blood of my hands and, and the Ukraine song, you know, never got one spin on the radio, but they've impacted millions of people, which, right. again, is so much different than how, you know, I made music my whole life. But I'm grateful that I can still do that. So when you do so, and you're no stranger to doing things like this, you know, with USO work and 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 just working with veterans and and. When you and I kind of been asking a question I know the answer to. Do you do this twofold? Do you do this for yourself, like as a form of therapy, uh, to cope? And then do you also do this using your platform and and knowing to kind of spread the word? I, I'm sure I'm it's an easy question, right? Yes, yeah, certainly, you know, for the, the last two songs, you know, for me, instead of hitting the punching bag, because I'm frustrated, I hit the piano. Yeah. Um, but you know me too. I, I'm not a guy who who really enjoys trying to here, I'm gonna stand in my soapbox and lecture to you about my my beliefs. Right. I really frankly despise celebrities who do that. I don't need to be lectured to. But there's also this history of of artists writing songs to protest big events or to, to speak on them, right? You listen to the music of the sixties, you get a sense of the times. And to me, when these, you know, when we abandon our citizens to terrorists and when Russia invades this little country, those are big events that that should move everybody and everybody should have an opinion, not necessarily my opinion, but an opinion. And artists should. I would hope artists would write about these things Um, and then particularly seeing how blood in my hands became a voice for so many Afghan veterans who really were struggling and felt voiceless some suicidal because their allies, their, maybe the soldier who saved their life is now abandoned to the Taliban. If you can imagine that feeling of abandonment by your country and the generals are telling you, wait, what a great success we had, extraordinary success, you you lose so much heart. You know, if I feel that way, imagine our veterans. And I've had so many conversations, you know, with them and it shows people just scream out the song and I'll play it and you'll see them crying. It was like, Superman at the concert for New York, when I played it and I saw people just crying, that release is important. Um, and music can, can sometimes engender that release. So, you know, I'm always hesitant to kind of, I'm, I'm not, you know, put out the song of the week of my rant, you know, but I do think it's important for artists to, 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 to say their piece. Um, so I'm kind of, if you, as you could tell, I struggle with it a little bit, right, right. Um, but I, I, it's for me, also for them. And I think you feel an obligation to talk about the world you live in. If you want to change it, you know, you, you, you write articles about, you know, stuff that, that you feel is important to you. And I write songs and, and we try to impact the world the best we can. And, and I, I, you know, I try to do that with, you know, we're trying to create this live aid for Ukraine struggle, but you try to parlay these songs into actually action items to raise money or, you know, we've, we've saved people from Afghanistan, not a lot, but there's literally people alive right now because of these groups that I've been a really small piece of. 
So you, you take some satisfaction in that and try to grow it as best you can. Do you think this, you you mentioned, and I know it's on your website too, like about, about this live aid. Um, yeah. You think it'll actually see the light of day? To be honest with you, probably not. Um, you know, Ukraine's kind of drifted from the news. It's it's still there, but the, the kind of, I think it's been drawn out so long now and people have done their visits. They've got their picture with Zelensky. Right. Um, you don't see this groundswell of artists, you know, you know, really making that their Sun City issue or that lot, you know, the hunger issue, right. even the concert for New York issue. I think a lot of people support Ukraine and, you know, Rod Stewart wears Ukrainian colors and bands and, you know, you know, the Plink Floyd guys, the rational ones, you know, did a did a collaboration with the uh, Ukrainian rock star. So I think you'll think things like that. But, you know, with schedules and and I just think, frankly, this generation of artists, their kind of priorities and what they care about are much more more domestic. They're not Ukraine. They're not freedom around the world. I think they want freedom, but and also it's so far away. So maybe we'll come up with some smaller things that aren't the huge scale. So we're thinking now let's do something smaller scale. Um, It's frustrating. I'll be honest with you. Um, But it's still about will and we're still pushing and, and, and hopefully we'll have something before the end of the year. Okay. Okay. See what happens. Yeah. I, I feel that a lot of the concern is as good as, you know, um, the pin or the sticker or the, uh, the uh, sign on your lawn. And it, yeah. kind of, it kind of just stops there for a lot of people. Understandably, you know, people yeah. have busy lives and they got their concerns and, and you know, it's there's so many causes. There's, so, there's right. such a tribal time, and everybody's angry, and <laughs> it's like yeah. it's hard. But you know, you do the best you can, right? You know, yeah. you, you do the best you can, and you know, try to make a difference in the way you can, and not let it kill your soul. And it literally is something different every single day. <laughs> every, right. every every single day. There's um, a new squirrel. There's a air squirrel. Yep. Ugh. So, um, all right, let's let's go back to uh, baseball a little bit. Something um, far far less important, but important. Yeah, um, very important. I'm going to read off song titles, and you're going to name the first team that uh, comes to your mind. You ready? Okay. It's not easy. Angels. One hundred years. Hmm. For some reason, Yankees. Maybe yeah. their history. Yeah. Yeah, because they've been around a while. Yeah. The, the riddle. Hmm. Phillies. Chances. Hmm. Tampa Bay. I like it. I might stop there. I was going to say it's not easy. I'm a Met fan. It's not easy being a Met fan either. Of course. Yeah. But but that could fit. That could fit like. I was gonna, teams. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say they could put it on the jersey of the Oakland A's. <laughs> I was just gonna say the A's. I was just gonna say the A's. It's like you gotta feel for those players. Oh my oh. god. Oh, so brutal. You know what? I, I have this and I tell my friends uh my friend Rich is an A's fan, and I tell I tell him, you are you familiar with the Savannah Bananas in in uh Georgia? No. So they're an independent league team, but what they do is they don't take themselves seriously. It's independent baseball, 
And what they do is they bring back like major league players who are long retired. So like one night, Johnny Damon will play for them. And one night, one night, Bronson Arroyo, Bill Lee, spaceman, Bill Lee is on their roster. He's in the 70s and they do, they dance in the middle of like the seventh inning and it's bizarre. And I, I tell my friend, like, that's what the A's should do. Like, (laughs) like, they're so bad that like Dave Stewart should just start like a random Friday night, you know, he'd have, he's had, he'd have as good a chance to get a win. Right. I mean, that, you know, I got to tell you a couple of friends of mine own some ma- uh, minor league baseball team, baseball yeah. games. Yeah. I frankly have more fun at those games than major league games. Yeah, it's true. Cause it's so fun and it's yeah. goofy and fun and you're cheering and they play hard. There's some talent, you know, the kids are there, you know, that's I, that is such a great idea. I'm surprised they don't kind of you know franchise that out. I'd love to go watch, you know, Oral pitch against you know right. you know Dusty Baker. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> my, my another friend of mine, uh, we're on this the same uh, group thread, and he texts. He goes, you know, Julio Franco could bat cleanup for the A's right now, and I go, John Franco could bat cleanup for the A's right now. <laughs> unbelievable yeah well hopefully vegas gives them a shot in the arm and they yeah they can kind of follow the golden knights to relevance so so going back to your childhood who are some of your favorite players and then just in general like you say you text text your mom like what are your favorite like plays in baseball did you play baseball growing up like talk to me a little bit about like what makes baseball stand out a little bit, you know, more than hockey, maybe more than basketball? Like, because I find, I find in terms of anxiety, although football is pretty up there with me too, uh, the anxiety level with baseball, especially toward the later innings and when when it really counts, is just off the charts for me. So, like, what what makes baseball for you stand out more than the other sports? Notice, John, how we're going full circle here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I played a little baseball. I wasn't very good. I was a basketball player. I played second base. I couldn't throw. Yeah. That was my problem. I couldn't throw. I could kind of hit, couldn't throw. Um, I mean, people always talk about the history of baseball, right? Just the history and and Babe Ruth. And it's, it's such a unique kind of part of the American fabric, right? Sports yeah. or not. It's yeah. kind of the sport that most represents just America, even if you're not a a sports fan, you know, as players, again, with the Dodgers, it was kind of those guys, Steve Garvey, right? Um, Oral Hershiser, um, who's actually become a friend, which I'm name dropping, but so cool that just I like, love that. That's amazing. Yeah, he's kind of a pal. Um, you know, that that whole kind of Lasorda group. And, and then kind of we went through, you know, the struggling years. But, you know, having Manny Ramirez was a lot of fun. You know, obviously watching Clayton do his thing the last 15, 16 years, um, you know, the, the the last kind of round of Dodgers, very lovable, you know, Justin Turner, mm-hmm. how can you not love that guy? You know, Chris Taylor, um, um, Will Smith, you know, I was, again, whatever we did to get Boston to give us Mookie Betts, I, you know, I, I don't know, you know. I don't understand it, but not just, just watching him every day, but also the person he is Yeah, just his kind of lessons on how to live your life and handle pressure and handle fame. 
a friend of mine kind of uh, drives him and tells me what a kind person. He's the same guy in the car as he is on the field, just that role model guy, you know, mm-hmm. and then getting Freddie Freeman. I remember watching Freddie for Atlanta and I was always impressed. Like he would always talk to everybody that stood on first, always had a smile, always respectful, talked about his family. You know, we live in this kind of cynical age with so many sports figures kind of embarrassing us or, or doing things that are, you know, kind of disgrace themselves. But here you got Freddie, you got, you know, you know, especially coming off the Trevor Bauer thing, you got these wonderful people yeah. at the top of their craft that it's easy to cheer for. Um, and even kind of, you know, the new guys they got this year with, with Martinez, right? It doesn't, doesn't hurt that he's on fire and I think has hit 10 <laughs> runs in 15 games. But when you hear the, them talk and you got the new kids coming up and and um so it's 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 easy to cheer for for them it's easy to cheer for otani you know the fact that we're seeing probably the greatest athlete of our lifetime you know maybe gretzky but we're seeing otani this phenom we'll probably never see again to 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 watch that and also to see what a wonderful human he is yeah yeah and grace he is um, you know, I hope the Angels do well for Trout, but you know, so Tony will probably end up a Dodger, you know, before the end of the year. But you know, you see guys like that; it makes it easy to cheer. And so I kind of, you know, I baseball is a little slow for me. I think the only comparison between, I, I think the two most tense moments for fans are playoff baseball and hockey playoffs overtime. Yep. Hockey overtime, literally, you want to throw up. And with 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 playoff baseball, um, with every pitch being the difference into advancing or not, or possibly winning a World Series, again, half the time I remember when the Dodgers are like kind of in the World Series or or, or in kind of the pennant final. A lot of times I can't even watch. Mm-hmm. I just go into the other room. I look at it on Twitter. I'm so freaked out I can't watch. So those two things to me, mm-hmm. hockey overtime, you know, especially World Series crunch time, close game end of the game that's really what sports is all about and kind of brings me back you know i watch during the regular season but i do not miss one day of playoff baseball because the whole dynamic changes because every pitch matters i've broken a lot of stuff during playoff baseball oh yeah oh yeah yeah it'll it'll take years off your life i don't understand psychologically why we care so much when there's so much more (laughs) in life that matters but there's this irrationality to sports that is so beautiful that helps us escape, that brings us together, but it takes years off our lives. And the, the fact that Kings went out early in the playoffs this year, I was bummed, but my wife was probably happy because, you know, <laughs> postponed the heart attack. <laughs> hey John, I have one last question. So, so let's say, let's say baseball is the be all and end all. You have to come up with a, you know, a name for your quote unquote band. What big, <laughs> What what baseball terminology are you using? Oh, so the the five for fighting for baseball. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she is gone. She is gone. Okay. I like it. Got to go with Vin. I like. Got to take. Got to take Vin Scully. She is gone. It's better yeah. than block. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, are you ready for Dodger baseball? You know, to me, you know, when I think of the Dodgers, it's, it's with all the great players and managers, it's, it still starts with Vin Scully and his, 
grace and, and his voice in my ear. So whatever Vince Gully quote or, you know, you know, something with Vin is to me kind of when I think Dodgers, that's what's so. So whatever the band name, it would have something to do with him. It's funny because Vin Scully for me is with the Mets World Series in '86 behind the yes. bag. <laughs> behind the bag, gets yes, up yes, there. yes. So, oh God, yes. Vin Scully's there. You know, there's only a few guys in baseball that, even though they're past, they passed away. That they, I don't even think of them as as uh, gone. Vin Vin Scully's one. Tommy Lasorda is another guy. If if you name like if you mention well Vin Scully to be honest with you this is going to sound like kind of a douchebag kind of thing to say but he's always been old to me yeah Tommy, but Tommy Lasorda wasn't always heavy he wasn't always like you know, <laughs> right. but I still think of Tommy Lasorda as the heavy guy uh, you know who tossed the the fanatic out of the game so, <laughs> yeah. like so like even though he like lost a ton of weight on Slim Fast and all that stuff. I always think of him like that in that era. So yeah. he's forever like it's funny when you said when he passed, I was like, ah, oh, he is gone. But yeah. I I just think of him as infinite. And and even though I didn't love him, love him, Tim McCarver's another guy. He just passed away and oh. I he he'll live on as well. Iconic, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. All right, John. I think that's that's it for this. Always a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, man. Same. Until next, until the next weird thing we do together, huh? Well, let, let's talk during the playoffs. Yeah, man. All right, buddy. All right, John. Thanks, man. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, bye.